0: I'm pushing on, pushing through, here we go, Uh, let's have it. (laughs) Hello and welcome to another episode of Jeff Brazier, Only Human, my straight talking podcast where we can talk and ask questions about what's working in our lives and what's weighing us down. As a trained life coach and author of the Grief Survival Guide, I believe open and honest discussion is vital for our future happiness and mental health. So this podcast is all about doing exactly that, honestly sharing what we're finding tough, giving advice on what's really helping us, and also finding humour in our rubbish problems. At the end of the day, removing the pressures we put on ourselves and acknowledging that we're only human. So today we're gonna talk about the topic of self-validation. Um, I think a lot of us know that self-validation is really important, but we probably haven't broken it down to the extent where we realise that it's quite an expansive subject. And when we look at self-validation, we realise that a lot of it is internal. There is a lot of choice involved in it. In some ways, there isn't when you start looking at the external. I know my childhood had a large bearing on how much I was able to validate myself. And in some ways, I'd be exempt in that, you know, I didn't need validation to know that I was good at football. Um, But yeah, I would need validation to know that I fitted in or that, you know, even if we're sort of fast forward in years that, that I was worthy of being married because I saw a, a a difficult and challenging marriage was, was what I grew up in. You know, I think that leaves a, a bearing on us, doesn't it? It tells us what we can and can't do, what we should or shouldn't attempt. And, uh, as a result, sometimes these form the rules that we actually live our lives by, um, not realising that we can go back into it and disagree with those rules and where they come from and why we put them in place. They would have made sense at a point in time of, of our lives, but actually they might not make sense anymore. But yet here we are potentially in our 40s, whatever age we're at, we haven't challenged it. I think your inner voice. The dialogue you have of yourself is really important. The words that you use to describe yourself, to encourage yourself, you know, the actions that we take, our behaviours, they're either validating or they're not. You know, the expectations that we put on ourselves, are they realistic? But, you know, with the external, and I've spoke about the fact that we're conditioned as children. Um, our parents build our... Our path for us if you like they're in charge of the bricks and the trowel and the, and the cement and you can carry that analogy on as much as you like um, whereas when we become 18 or we leave home we then start to actually take over don't we and we typically a lot of us might just carry on building that path in the same direction that our parents set it off at and that our environment encouraged us to to set it off and a lot of the time it's far from straight so again just maybe take a, a minute to, to think about What direction is your path heading in? And actually, did you dictate the direction of it or have others directed it? Either, you know, people in childhood or actually people that are in your life now. That'll get you thinking. I can't wait for the questions on this. So, Emma, let's have the first one then.
1: This question comes from Alison. I have so many different emotions. It's so overwhelming for me sometimes. Loneliness, anxiety, hurt, passion, self-doubt, anger, sadness, grief, grief, pride, fear. Gosh, this list is endless. I don't know where to start to feel validated.
0: Where would you start with that? I've got an idea for you, Alison. And this is something that came um, when I was inspired by a, a client who was bereaved. And I remember her talking about how many people she'd lost in a short period of time and that she didn't know who she was grieving for, and it was causing a lot of confusion and, um, and, and obviously emotion, as you can imagine. So what we did, because I was sat in front of a bowl of fruit, is I said, right, okay, the three people that you've lost, here's a banana, an apple, and a pear, and what we'll do, and obviously you'll be sniggering listening to this. Uh, it is silly, but it is really, really effective. Um, we are going to consign each item of fruit to one of the people that you've lost. And she was like, right, okay, yeah, my dad is the banana. Um, So then what I did is I took the um, the pear and the apple off the table and it left only the banana in front of us. And I said, let's focus on how you feel about this in particular. You know, let's relate it to all those emotions, Alison, that you said that you've been experiencing. And let's just write down all of them. But let's write them on individual bits of paper, post-it notes, if you like. Let's have them in front of us. Let's take all the other ones off the table. And one at a time, I want you to look at how you validate yourself or how these subjects, these emotions impact on your sense of, of validation and let's work on them individually. And, you know, sometimes for for doing something that seems quite innocuous and, and straightforward, it, it just grants you the ability to focus on one as opposed to focusing on the mass. Because as we know, if you're constantly feeling like you've got these you know, eight emotions swirling around in front of you, then there's no way you're going to be able to unpick that. But when we just allow ourselves to um, to individualise them and to, to look at them uh, one by one, I'm pretty confident, Alison, that you'll be able to give yourself a bit of breathing space to be able to look at them and then just work on how you feel about each of them everything that you feel is okay. And that is validation in a nutshell, isn't it? Is that there is a reason why you feel all of these things. I think you'd be pretty human for feeling all of these emotions with everything that we've been through in the last 12 months. Um, But I think sometimes we just need to label them. Sometimes we just need to understand them. Sometimes we need to just express them. And once we've done that, then I think you can start to see a clearing ahead of you.
1: This next question comes from Tracy. She says, I really need to work on giving myself some slack. My brain makes everything into a competition. It's so frustrating.
0: It sounds like a lot of hard work, Tracy. Um, I think we have to, in in giving ourselves some slack, um, we can also look at that as just lowering the bar um, generally. So why don't we just scale back, take the pressure off, stop expecting so much. I'd have a little look at Why do we expect so much of ourselves? Did we learn to do that because someone expected a lot of us in another time of our lives? Is it something connected with childhood where you were really pushed and pressured to excel and and, and achieve? Um, And are you still putting yourself under that same rule now? And if so, stop, because you're an adult and you get to choose and decide for yourself. So lowering expectations doesn't mean that we're settling, that we're settling for substandard um, uh, achievements or a substandard life experience. Generally, uh, what it means is that we've been realistic. And if you're not being realistic, you're not being anything. Let me just assume that you're expecting that you're going to get 20 things done in a day. Let's look at it numerically. So why don't you just go down to five? You have five expectations of yourself in any one day. And if you get any more than that, if you squeeze any more on top, that's an absolute bonus. But five is the expectation. 5 is where you set your bar and 5 is where you say to yourself I've achieved exactly what I wanted to today. If you are setting the bar too high and you are consistently falling short, then ultimately you've got to lower that bar. And once you do, all of a sudden you'll get used to that sense of oh, I'm winning again. So whatever those high expectations are, whatever they're for, wherever they are from, We need to revise them straight away and a lot of us need to do this. Let's put realistic expectations on ourselves for what we're going to achieve tomorrow and when you achieve those things, recognise it, celebrate it, give yourself that pat on the back. Love recording these podcast episodes. It's not until you actually start talking fluently that you realise how important this information is and that it really is something that hopefully will resonate with so many of us. But, you know, these are my insights. This is from my life experience and my filters, if you like. So I won't have covered everything, that's for sure. Um, So if you have any additional advice or any questions on the topics discussed in today's podcast, then absolutely get in touch. You can contact me direct, Jeff, and that's J-E-F, F, -F, another F, nearly forgotten F, at onlyhumanpod.com. So J-E-F-F at onlyhumanpod.com.
1: This is from Mienna. She says, I'm so hard on myself and struggle to feel proud of myself. I'm doing really well with my positivity, have a lovely family, business is doing well, and my 10 year old has just been accepted into a great school. So, why am I anxious about things still? Why can't I celebrate the victories? Why do I not feel proud of what my hard graft has achieved? It's almost like I think I don't deserve this. It's crazy. And I really want to change it.
0: Mienna. Um see how this fits. What we do, some of us, sometimes, is we control how confident we feel because what we wouldn't want to do is we wouldn't want to start feeling too confident, too, um, too happy, um, too anything that could ultimately be lost and taken away, leaving us feeling dejected, humiliated, embarrassed, lost, um, you know, just less of what we were. Now, we might have experienced that in the past. And if we have, then it goes without reason that the inner dialogue might team up with this other mechanism we've got, which is the ability to self-regulate our sense of self. And it might, you know, tag team, almost like the bushwhackers back in WWF days and and actually start kind of, um, you know, tag tagging each other in and out of the ring. Where they're like, right, I tell you what, you tell her that that wasn't good enough. And, and then I'll actually tell her that there's no way that she should feel the way that she feels. And and then there's a little bit of a vicious cycle. But the, the, the point is, I think, is if we can be aware of it, we can stop it. Because we can notice that, ah, oh, right, that's what we're doing. We're putting a ceiling in there. The reason is, it's just because we have been there. Oh, we know how much it hurt. And there was a time when we felt like we had everything or that we were really good at something and it was taken away or we failed in the end and someone else told us that, oh, actually you're not good enough. And so often we hear the words of someone who is quite irrelevant in our lives today, even though it was years ago. Still, somehow their words are given such power over our own thoughts and our own choice. Give you an example. I know of a person who was told that they shouldn't walk out the house without makeup. It's disgusting that someone, albeit they were young, said that to somebody. But that is the reason why why that person still, to this day, won't and isn't comfortable walking outside the house without makeup on. Because of that one person, that one voice, that one comment. I think there's a lot of us possibly listening to this that will be like, do you know what? Someone imposed a rule on me that I accepted that is still governing a part or an aspect of our life right now. So Mienna, maybe you've imposed a ceiling of your own. Maybe you made the ceiling, maybe you borrowed it. Maybe this is really um, something that we all needed to hear because ultimately we all have limiting beliefs. So what do you deserve? What are those people that created these limiting beliefs deserve? Um, you know, and have a little think about really who you want to come out on top in that in that battle. Uh, I think it's got to be us, right? It should always be us. Uh, Mienna, thank you so much for a, a wonderful question. It is me talking about everybody else and encourage everybody else to find their vulnerability. Let me share a little bit of my own. So, when you are described for a couple of years of your young life as simply being someone's boyfriend, um, or the father of someone's children, as I as I was, as I experienced. Proud to be as I am. At the time, it was a bit rubbish, because I had a name, and it was Jeff, and it wasn't used <laughs> ever. And people would point at you and be like, oh, there's such and such is uh, a boyfriend. And you'd be like, all right, the thick skin came in really useful. But it, it hurt me, it broke me down, because I think we all have a right to an identity. We all have a right to been known for at least our name that was given to us at birth as opposed to anything else but look anyway look I'm sharing that with you because it's it is like a a really good example for me of when outside influences can kind of almost strip you of your self-worth and your value and I had to really battle that and over the years I've worked really hard I think to sort of always maintain that I will not be shaped by the situations in my life where I was belittled or ridiculed or embarrassed by others. Um, But that actually, that was something that I just needed to build up again, Um, something that I needed to account for, something I needed to accept because it was a part of my life that I was obviously going through at the time. But yeah, over the years, I knew that it was for me to earn my name back. I'm not sure that people should have to do that in life, but that was a part of being involved in reality TV back in the day, to be fair. That's why I always tell people to uh, tell my children (laughs) to think very carefully before sort of heading into certain areas just because um, it's not always all it's cracked up to be. But, But there you go. Anyway, that's my little share. So we've answered some really good questions from people. Thank you for those. If you'd like to send in a question of your own, it's jeff at onlyhumampod.com.
1: Arlene has this question. It's actually a, a message more than anything. Your childhood dictates where you put yourself. Mine, I always put myself last. Didn't feel worthy. All my life putting others first. If someone else wasn't okay, I couldn't be okay. Raising children, you naturally put them first. As we grow older, we become the person we were meant to be. If only I could have let my younger self know that.
0: Yeah, Arlene, um, you absolutely echo, I think, the sentiments of many. It's why I think when, you know, kids leave school and they leave home, um, it's why sometimes parents find themselves feeling like they're completely lacking purpose because they'd given so much to bringing the kids up that they actually forgot to to kind of pay into their own pot. And what, what happens is we realise that we're sort of left with very little knowledge of who we are, what we want. And um, and as a result, that can be quite a difficult scenario that I know is experienced by many. Does it actually, let me just question something, because d- does it actually serve our kids to receive 100% of us instead of for our children to be able to see parents that are actually into things and do actually do things for themselves. Um, just I'd, I'd argue that that actually we're denying our kids in some respects um, the extent of the role model we could be um, if we were actually proactively doing things that we were into um, just so they could sort of see ah oh, mum likes doing Tai Chi I've no idea why that example came to mind. I know it, it gives her that social element. I know it gives her a, a, a sort of an outlet for her stress. And I can see that she comes home really happy and that she just is doing things. So is that what I'm meant to do in life? I'm meant to find solutions. There's such a, a, a win for everyone, isn't it? Everybody wins in the family. Um, and it, it doesn't mean that to say that you're a bad person because you'd spent a couple of hours doing something that you wanted a couple of evenings a week. To give a hundred percent of ourselves to the family is it sounds very noble, but actually there there's an element of a sort of get out of jail if you like um there there will have been times where I might have hid behind my children and hid behind my role um and you know I haven't got time for this or time for a relationship because you know I'm too busy with the kids and Is it an excuse i think I think it might be in some respects I think if we can make time for balance, if we can make time to actually focus on ourselves as well as focusing on, on everybody else, then everybody wins. Whereas if you've got nothing going on but for your, your roles and responsibilities as a mum or a dad, then, yeah, what can they take from us other than the fact that, oh, well, I suppose what I've learned from childhood is that I'm meant to give everything to everyone else and, and actually leave very little of my time and attention to myself that's not what i want to leave my kids with i don't think that's what we want to leave the, the majority of our of our children with so um arlene thank you so much for your comment because it got me onto to to a really interesting point of perspective i guess what we have to realize is that we can either be complicit in being something that is passed from generation to generation or we can be the the, the one that actually said right I know what's going on here. I know I'm just mirroring the behaviours that I witnessed growing up. And I know that there's a good chance my kids are going to do the same. So I'm going to change my behaviours so that I'm not mirroring anymore. And that actually, these are the behaviours that I want my kids to mirror so that they can hopefully want for more than than I do. Um, or have more or do more or be more, You know, however, however you'd like to categorise it. I think that all our mums and dads do is give us an option. They give us... An example, one way of as to how you might go about living your life, and ideally we'd want to modulate that and be like, right, those things are really good; those things definitely weren't. I'm going to take the good stuff, and I'm going to I'm going to create my own versions of what what I didn't agree with, and ultimately, then we're kind of you know doing our parenting and living our life authentically as as opposed to on autopilot. So I'm not accusing you of that, Arlene, um, but you you do make a really good point that enables me to just um, give a bit of perspective there. And again, I hope that gets everybody thinking.
1: This is from Debbie. No matter how much work I do, the limiting beliefs come back stronger. How do you keep on track in the times when your brain seems to flounder?
0: How do I keep on track? I'd, I'd say that... When I feel a limit in belief, um, first of all, I think we don't run away from it. We know that there is a bit of resistance there. We know that it's because it probably relates and links to something from way back when. So a great example for me is my reintroduction to football. So football back in the day was attached to some really good stuff, but it was also attached to the feeling of needing to be validated by my stepdad, um, needing to be validated by, you know, my coaches. Instead of asking myself whether I was good enough, or whether I played well enough, I, I wasn't able to really give myself that feedback. I looked for it in others. That already kind of sets you on a path of um, disadvantage at, at the very least. Football for me was also, you know, when we talk about the end product being that I was released and that, you know, I, I didn't really end up making my way back into the pro game, um, is that I would see it as disappointment and failure. Um, again, what words you use, I think, is really important. So, I've learned to soften it from failure to just, I didn't have what I needed at the time in order to fulfill the potential that I had. And I, I can accept that because I've done other things, I guess, that I feel like makes good of that situation. So, you know, when it comes to going back into football, Three or four years ago and sort of saying to BT Sport, look, you know, I've got this this background, I've got a UEFA B coaching license as well. You know, I'm still, you know, coaching in the game and um, I've got this interest in life coaching, which I think helps me to be a better football coach. And um, either way, I know my stuff and, um, you know, I'd love to to make football my direction because I just left daytime television decided that that's the direction that I wanted to go. And I felt like I was ready. What I wasn't, I guess, expecting is the fact that as soon as I stood there with a microphone in my hand in front of a camera about to give an opinion about football, all of a sudden what comes flooding back? It's like, am I good enough? I got released. So what makes me think that I'm I'm good enough to share an opinion on it now? It's almost like football is not for me. Um, But yet my own sort of logical brain would just turn around and say, hold on, mate, you are more qualified than a number of people doing this in, in certain respects, but you've got to earn the right. You've got to just stand there and, and push through. So that I guess is my answer to your question, Debs in, in that I, I refuse to be beaten by the limiting beliefs. I still four years on, will still get nervous. So, um, ask questions of a losing manager because i know they're not in a good mood. So think about what the limiting beliefs are linking into there. They're they're linking into my stepdad and you know i've just lost and he's not he's not happy because he was the manager. You know, is he going to be disapproving of my performance and what if i ask a question? This is what goes through my mind sometimes and it comes right out of nowhere and that's what if he gets upset with a question that i've asked. Um, and again, I just consign that. So I know where that thought comes from. It's not relevant to today. And, and again, I, instead of being like, right, you know what? I don't want to do this anymore. I confront it. I'm still there. I'm still doing it. I think I've made a lot of progress. Um, but again, you know, I've got limiting beliefs. I think lots of people do. And I think that lots of people have to find their own way of, of pushing through because we, if we allow them to, to dictate themselves to us, then, Ultimately, I wouldn't be doing a job that I really, really am passionate about and enjoy. Um, I I would be maybe be sitting in, not even doing this because a lot of what I do actually requires a, an element of me overcoming something that was made obvious to me when I was a kid, or that I was told that I shouldn't be able to do. I'm from a council like background. You know what right have I got to be doing some of the stuff that I'm doing right now, or kind of planning for the future and expecting big things, or you know, daring to dream of, you know, of, of wanting more. Um, so it's been comfortable, isn't it, with discomfort. You know, they're always in the background and it's really silent, but yet it's always going to be present is that thought that you was just on reality TV. You're just someone's boyfriend. <laughs> and, and as I say, I kind of laugh because it's oh, it's so narcissistic, isn't it? This, this inner voice, it's like such a little devil, but that's what it's meant to be. That's kind of how these things work. So look, I, there's me sharing a few of mine. I again I love sharing my vulnerabilities with people and um it doesn't make me any less of a person, nor does it mean that I'm any less equipped to successfully navigate whatever career that I'm trying to forge for myself. Um it just makes it real, right? And um, you know, you asked the question, Debs, I've given you a really honest answer. I hope you appreciate that um and i'm sure we've all got a really honest answer to that kind of question as well so yeah let's think about it guys what are our limiting beliefs where do we think they come from you know and what can we do to just silence them um my answer is to push through challenge yourself keep going and i think the voice gets quieter and quieter and quieter and maybe one day when i'm about 80 it won't be there anymore, but I'm, you know, I'm up for the challenge and I'm, I'm here for the, the long haul. I am not going to let my life be hijacked by something that happened ages ago. Um, I'm pushing on, pushing through. Here we go. Uh, let's have it.
1: <laughs> I thought this was a really nice message to end on, Jeff. This is from Christopher. And he says, I've had a challenging yet rewarding week in general, but today I shut my laptop on time. I gave my dog Doris lots of strokes and walked her this morning instead of my partner walking her. I watched three episodes of Will and Grace, which made my heart smile. I had steak for tea, a few glasses of wine also. Keep going, we are nearly there.
0: Christopher, your response is is amazing because it just teaches us that um, there's validation Uh, in every day there is an opportunity for us to do something that is kind um, and, and empathetic towards ourselves if in recognition we're not feeling our greatest we can't be robots we can't power through mechanically on a daily basis doing Exactly what we want to do, the way we want to do it, how we want to do it. Um, you know, we, we're going to have to concede that, especially given the last twelve months that we've had, that we are going to feel great and sometimes brilliant. Then you know, capitalize on that. Um, but when we don't, that we can chill out, watch a few things that we want to watch on Netflix, and we can take our dog for a walk, or we can go for a walk and just be like, do you know what, it's cool. It's absolutely fine that you feel a little bit iffy. Um, I definitely uh, had a bit of an iffy. Few, few iffy moments in the week myself personally. Um, sometimes when I have a particularly uh, important therapy session, which by the way, in, at the time doesn't mean I'm sat there in floods of tears. Sometimes it's a really good chat, but for whatever reason, it, it just means that your subconscious gets to a stage where it is knackered. And um, I remember sitting, sort of doing some work in in my little room, and i was sat there thinking. I need to go to sleep. It was only sort of mid-afternoon. I don't really ever get like that, but I always know that it's because of therapy. And I went off and actually slept for four hours. It was one of them. It was a a bit of a weird one. But do I judge myself for having the afternoon off to do that? No. Um, Do I just accept that I must have needed it? Yep. And uh, and ultimately, I'm, I'm really glad to be able to be kind to myself because... Yeah, if you can't be kind, then then what are we being? We're we're always gonna be setting ourselves up for failure, we're always always gonna be holding ourselves to account um uh, for what we didn't do. And I think that we need to just recognise how we feel in the moment and what's realistic in the moment. And um Christopher, thank you very much for your for your message there because it, it definitely encourages us all to just recognise how we're feeling, to know that it's okay the way that we're feeling and to do something about it, i.e. take the foot off the gas and relax a bit. Do something that will help you get a sense of balance back. So I've tried to give the best advice that I can give to all of um, the questions that have come in. However, what I've also done with all my research notes is I've made it into a blog, which I will be posting across social media that will help you to really expand and take the very most out of this particular podcast episode. Hearing it is one thing. It might instigate some perspectives, some change for you. But yeah, this blog that I will share will effectively be a culmination of my research notes for this podcast. So now you've listened to it, Now you can read it. But look, um, I love the community that we're growing. I love the fact that we've got regular people that are asking lots of great questions and that are offering up lots of their own um, vulnerabilities in these subjects as well. So keep that up everyone. I love to hear all these things because again, this is why I'm doing it. In fact, the best bit is to hear from you and to hear of the difference that, that any of it is making in your life and with your challenges. thanks for listening to this episode of only human if you like what you've heard there'll be new episodes every tuesday from apple Podcasts, spotify the absolute radio app or wherever you get yours remember to please rate and review the show you can also get in touch with your questions concerns or dilemmas by emailing me direct at jeff at onlyhumanpod.com and i'd absolutely love to hear from you